oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today And smash play, I'm prepared to listen The x flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two What it do? Hey everybody, welcome back to the Turn Two Podcast Brought to you by Roto Fanatic. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, myself, Matt Williams, and Mr. Mike Curlin started a website, rotofanatic.com. Go and check it out. Literally, pause the web, pause the podcast, go check it out, rotofanatic.com. Uh, we're going to be teaching you advanced analytics. we got a great team over there, podcast, video, articles, pretty much everything you need. And speaking of Mr. Mike Curlin, guess who the co-host is for the show today? MLB Moving Averages. Yeah, Not exactly. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what's up? Gonna... what's up, Mike? I was going to come in with the whole, hey, yo, Matt, how's it going? Like, I was going to come in just like John because we're missing John today. And uh, this is what people don't know. This is a uh, pro Stephen Brault podcast now, as long as I'm here. And John, and there's a three-person bandwagon for it. And I just want to make sure that gets highlighted at the top of the show. That's how we're going to go with this. And we're here <laughs> to talk it. about the Houston Astros. <laughs> Which is why Stephen Brault's way more interesting. <laughs> Uh, those cheating bastards, the uh, the Houston Astros. So we decided before the show we are only going to talk about for the next hour Jordan Alvarez and Kate Upton, uh, because those are fine. Jordan wasn't there, and Kate probably knew, but who cares, right? <laughs> Was anybody watching the signs or her? Really? I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, so. I don't know. We're going to try to talk about them with as little sarcasm or as much sarcasm as possible. Uh, another thing we mentioned before, which, you know, uh, some people have, have have alluded to this, but COVID is terrible, obviously. But if any team could draw a silver lining from having a season with no fans, it's the Houston Astros, who, as part of their as part of their fantasy performance, you had to take into consideration all the road starts where they'd literally be being booed constantly. I know in the spring training, spring training part one, uh, when they were playing down in Port St. Lucie against the Mets in a spring training game, the crowd was really on George Springer, and you can see him visibly upset. He swung at a pitch so hard he screwed himself into the ground, and I, you know, stuff like that could have happened in the regular season as well. So it's something that they don't have to deal with. So um, in general, assuming there's a season, again, people like Casey Bubba they don't like to hear negativity, and neither do I. But I mean, at a certain point here. It's, it's getting – who knows what we're going to get, when we're going to get it. But assuming things kind of get going around July-ish, uh, with no fans for the most part, uh, does that make you feel better about the Astros players? I think it has to help a little bit. I mean, they were being slightly discounted, and that's rightfully so because obviously more and more came out about the whole the whole scandal, and they were known to be cheating on the road as well. And yada. So there was a little discount that needed to be there. And this just helps everything about it. I think this honestly is a big plus for them. Their mindsets, their uh, like you said. Like I remember, I remember that as soon as you mentioned that play, I remember watching it and the replay of it, and just watching him try to swing so hard to try to shut up the fans. That I feel like that was going to be a big deal this year. And then on top of that, 
add in the fact that you know reporters are going to be limited. There's not going to be a huge media presence compared to what they usually deal with. So that also won't be as mentally straining, and you know the, that type of stress might not be as as much as well this year. So I think ultimately, though, yeah, it's going to have to help them. But as far as their fantasy values, I don't think it changes them much, in my opinion. All right, so uh, like every single breakdown where we're doing in the 30-team series, uh, we go through on roster resource and go through the entire lineup, rotation, bullpen, everything. Um, so they have uh, George, Springer leading, George Springer leading off for the group. Last year, he obviously had a phenomenal season, batted uh, 292, 591 slugging, 39 home runs, 96 RBIs, 96 runs, six stolen bases. Not as many stolen bases as people were hoping to get when he first started his career, but at this point, at least, you know, six is something. It's not a zero. But um, what do we think in general of his bounce pack performance? Because um, there's a couple of different things you can look at. Like his uh, his ex- ex- expected barrel, X barrel is 9.6, uh, is actually a lot better than his typical barrel percentage, like from 2017 to 2018, although people can can ask, you know, did that have to do with, with the, you know, with the trash cans? We don't really know. Um, you know, in general, uh, George Springer, he actually has, his BABIP has been 297, 303, 305 the last three years. His swing strike percentage was actually worse last year, um, but his barrel percentage did go from 9.3 to 8.9 to 14.3. So we don't know what is what necessarily, but if you look at Alex Chamberlain's chart, um, for anyone who doesn't look at uh, you know Alex Chamberlain's leaderboard, he has something called deserved barrel percentage, which is another kind of variation of X barrel, where he had George Springer as the 11th luckiest hitter with at least 50 logged batted ball events. So um, that being said, what do we think George Springer is going into this year? I think he still is above a 30 home run guy. Maybe he's just not a 40 home run guy. I don't, you know, but it, if you were drafting him, were you really expecting a 340 home run season anyway? I think if you're drafting him, you had to expect a little closer to like a 285, 30 home run season anyway. So I think if anyone was drafting, expecting last year was fooling themselves. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, you look at just looking at past uh, his history. Prior, like going back to 2016, 2015, I know it's a while back now, but say those were the years prior to cheating, he hit 276 and 261 respectively. And um, even besides that, he hit 283 in 2017. And then again, just look at his batting average fluctuate. I think a 270 to 275 hitter was even realistic um, as far as an outcome goes. But he did put up 29 home runs in, like I said, in 2016 as well. So like going far that far back, the power always played regardless of the, the scandal and all that. So... I don't think anybody doubted the power. I do think the um, the batted ball profile kind of speaks for itself, too. He's always been kind of a similar, as far as approach goes, you know, walking K rates and all that. So I was expecting more of like a 275, 280-ish hitter with close to 30 home runs as well. I wasn't banking on the near 40 he put up last year because, again, we also had indications that um, the ball was likely going to be de-juiced or was close mm-hmm. to the 2018 ball. And in 2018, he only hit 22 home runs. Um, which was a little bit of an off year. I wouldn't expect it to be that low. But, again, I think 30 was the number I think you hit around the head as far as home runs go. But I think he's still a solid, safe guy. I'm still buying into him having the skill set he has. Uh, that being said, I, I, yeah, I agree with the skill set. It's I have zero shares, plan on having zero, because I still think he's being overdrafted. And it has a lot to do with the fact that he's not giving you as many steals. I discount a lot of people. Or if you can't get the steals, kind of like Charlie Blackman, um, they're, I don't think they're being discounted enough. And if you want to be a naysayer about the juice ball plus the trash cans, 
I mean, his expected batting average before last year on breaking balls was um, 222 last year, 302. And you want to look at how hard his uh, barrel percentage went up um, dramatically, but his fly ball to line drive miles per hour, which again, don't use average exit velocity. Um, if you want to look at like fluctuations for a player, it's, it's okay for comparison's sake, but if you really want to know how hard they're hitting the ball, look at fly ball to line drive miles per hour. Um, in 2017, um, well, you know, well before he was, um, you know, any possibility of cheating, uh, Springer was hitting the ball at like 96 miles per hour, fly ball to line drives last year, 95.3. So he's hitting them the ball, not as hard, uh, but his barrel percentage is way up. If you knew the pitches that were coming, obviously you can get a better, a better feel for maybe barreling the ball. So again, uh, I was already dinging him for being lucky and not maybe giving you the steals that you want, but he is an elite source of runs, but there's just too much there for me to, to pass. Cause I feel like I can probably rebuild him for cheaper later in the draft. I know the run, the runs are probably the thing for him is the thing that you can't replace. There's certain people I say, I don't want early in the draft, but the runs are, you know, a little tougher to replace. But um, anyway, that's George. Springer. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I would notice maybe would have helped the barrel rate, assuming that it helped with, you know, the sweet contact, the sweet spot percentage and all that, which that was also up was the launch angle was slightly increased. So maybe the extra, maybe the extra degree from 9.5, 9.4 the last two years to 10.3 degrees last year in 2019, maybe that would help, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't help to the tune of what five percent more from the year before, or six yeah. percent more. So that's what I'm saying. Like the barrel percent, like you mentioned, according to the Chamberlain's chart, he was a little lucky. I can understand that, but I can also understand why there may have been a slight bump in there. So I think there might be. I don't think it's nearly. I don't think it's as good as it was last year, or would be nearly as good as it was last year. I think he could still see an, an increase into like the nine, the nine point three and nine point five percentage point because he's been in that nine point three area before. So oh that for sure, me I, made that, but it yeah, wouldn't sh- it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all. I think there's just too there's too much cloudiness <laughs> because no, he's he's lucky, but he also got better. He hit the ball harder, but he didn't actually hit the ball harder. <laughs> he hit the ball <laughs> yeah. better. He hit, you know better yes, quality, quality contact. So we don't know. Like there's certain things that'll cancel out, but I don't know where that needle's gonna fall. And people are always drafting him just ahead of where I'm comfortable doing it. Honestly, in his part of the draft, I'm probably picking up a starting pitcher or, you know, or, or an infielder or something. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, there's nothing anyway. wrong with him. Going to batting second, Jose Altuve. Uh, everyone yeah. hates this guy. Everyone, everyone yeah. hates this guy. Do you see that? Nothing. Fa- you see that fake tweet uh, that they put out for uh, Aroldis Chapman? Telling him that he couldn't oh, wait yeah. to like hit him. I couldn't. Re- I wish I had it word for word here, but he was basically uh, saying he can't wait for the uh, he can't wait for the season to start because he has a uh, fastball pretty much with his name right on it. it. Ended up being fake, which is too bad because it was great and it seemed like something a world this Chapman would say. I mean, I mean, I've, after watching the videos of him like all jacked and punching bags and all the comments coming from that, I'm just he's not, he he he's, his character flaws are well documented at this point. So if he said something like that, I wouldn't be shocked. And honestly. It might have made me like him a little more because the guy is a complete dirtbag, but that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> so um, Altuve, you know, he's getting older. He's dealing, being dinged up here and there. His his batting average for balls in play was actually down from the last three years. It was in 2017, 370, 2018, 352. Last year, only 303. A lot of that has to do with his wheels. Um, he actually hit the ball a lot uh, harder than typically uh, last season, again, the fly ball line drive miles per hour 2017 was 91.4. Last year, 92.8. Barrels were up. Uh, but 
his um his plate discipline took a little bit of a hit. Uh, his O swing, as far as you know, his chasing balls outside of the strike zone, was pretty much in line where where he typically is. His swinging strike rate, however, was up um you know a couple ticks from where it typically is, uh almost two percent higher than you know his his average, maybe a little higher than his average because early in his career he was obviously a lot better. So, um. What do we kind of think there? I mean, is he something where we, you know, again, the trash cans, he can't really project much into this because his swing percentage was actually a little down, but his swing strike rate was up. I mean, was this, was he being more aggressive? Uh, his contact rate was just down in general. So, I mean, is it just something where we think he was hindered? It was just a down year. Um, a lot of the stuff that you look into, like there was a lot of things, people saying that he didn't want to know the signs were coming. Um, and his expected batting average versus breaking balls, 249 to 260. There's not a ton to suggest he was really helped or hindered by any kind of cheating. Um, if anything, it looks like he's just someone who's a guy who is speed dependent, who's getting older. Look at Carl Crawford. Sometimes this happens. Um, so what are your thoughts on Jose Altuve as far as fantasy goes? Um, if he wasn't second base, like if he wasn't a second baseman, I don't think he'd be going where he's going in drafts. I think he's again again I think he's just another solid safe guy. He actually wasn't more I want I, I wish I had looked up some of his um call third strike stuff because the fact that he was more patient at the plate and had the higher swing strike rate suggests obviously and it shows he he wasn't making as much contact in the zone. That also went down. But mm-hmm. then you look at his walk rates, like the fact that his walk rate went down with a with an actual with when you decrease a chase rate, that's usually a weird combination. So I'm wondering how the you know, like the called strikes, the call through strike thing um, may have went against them. But other than that, the the legs, I think the the knee issues and all that, that I think that played a part. And it, you know, battling through injury, he could have just been pressing a little bit, knowing that you know, just stuff like that. You just don't know what what's going through his mind health wise. So all in all, though, I think he still is who he is. I, I don't think he's a 30, 31 home run guy, but I still think he can put up ten stolen bases or so over a full season and still give you about 24 to 26 home runs, which because we saw him put up 24 in 2016 and 2017. I think 31 last year in the, in the injury shortened season was obviously the outlier and you can't expect anything like that again. The interesting thing with him is that, you know, what are you drafting him to expect? Obviously you're not going to be getting, probably not getting the stolen bases back, but do we, are we going to expect it to be the career low kind of it was last year? Um, you know, he, he was at 56, then 38, 30, 32, 17, and six. <laughs> so um, do we think, and obviously he said his strikeout, his walks were down, his strikeouts were up. His hard hit percentage was like way above his career high. Um, ground ball percentage almost up to 50%. Line drive percentage down from 26, 20, 24, all the way down to 17.6. So is this someone who, as he's getting older, has decided to shift to trying to sell out for a little more power? I mean, that power ages speed doesn't um so when you're drafting him you i mean especially with speed being at a premium you really got to know what you're paying for so uh what are you expecting this year out of jose altuve do we think any of that speed comes back or do we kind of think it's kind of like buy forever the way again i bring up charlie blackman again i i think at 30 years old it's hard to say he's done forever i know it's obviously he's not aging backwards he's no benjamin button but i do think he honestly will be a little better on the base pass. I Like I said, I think 10 steals is realistic what to expect, what I would expect over a full-term season. So half a season, cut that in half, about five, which doesn't sound like a lot, but you have to remember, everything is cutting everything in half right now. So five stolen bases, maybe even seven over over a half a season, I think still very doable. And, again, he's a guy that um, 
I still buy into the skill set. And actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because I thought you were going to keep going down the batted ball data. Because you look at you know some of the stats. You mentioned the ground ball rate increased. The fly ball rate kind of stayed the same. It was a small increase, 2.5% from 2018 to 2019, but was still within line of 2016, 2017. But what really hurt was the – what took a hit was the line drive rate of almost, what, like 8%, I think that is. So, yeah, his launch, angle dropped, his launch angle has dropped every year for the last four years, starting at 10.9, going to 9.1, and now and sitting at 8.8. Which is crazy. So when he, he did that, which now you, we have to go – we should go back and look at the rolling launch angle, see if how – maybe it fluctuated throughout the year because with a lower launch angle, you usually don't see a spike in infield fly balls. But for him, he had a career high – rate of info five balls last year and a mm-hmm. career uh, and obviously they say going with a, a career high almost yeah actually it was a career high ground ball rate you look at it he 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 did press to sell for power more that 31 home runs may not have been as much of a fluke as we think because then you look at the pull rate of 50 percent he legitimately went out of his way to pull the ball and because of that it caused more pop-ups more ground balls but he still but he was able to imp- increase the power but, but while still sustaining his batting average at 298 which people might not realize 298 is actually kind of bad for him for somebody that's been a 316 346 338 313 mm-hmm. 341 those are his last those are his last five years of batting average prior to 2019 so i guess his skill set allowed him to still give up some of that batting average and sell out a little bit for power so maybe the 20 that's why the 25 to 26 home run mark might like although that sounds high for him that could be a floor for him now or at least yeah i, I agree because oh, well, i mean power, you mentioned but, uh we mentioned his ground ball rate went up his uh pop-ups went up but if you look at his top crazy. percentage and under percentage, they're kind of in line with his career. But you said he's pulling the ball, which, you know, look at the twins. That's something that worked. His barrel percentage is way up. His pull percentage is way up. He just looked like he is consciously trying to sell off for power. Whether people want to believe that was by design because he knew what pitches were coming, that's a whole other story. In general, though, there are, most of the data suggests he was not helped by it. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, I think that the guy came out in – there was someone who actually tracked uh, whenever there was a trash can earlier this offseason. If everyone remembers, uh, he actually audibly went in and whenever he heard a trash can, he t- he um, he tracked who the players were. And like George Springer was at the very top. Um, Jose Altuve was barely mentioned. So when the reports come out, again, we don't know. We're never going to know. And they have the whole thing with the buzzer with him versus Aroldis Chapman, et cetera. But um, all the data suggests that he probably wasn't. All data we have at our disposal looks like he probably wasn't helped by the cheating scandal. So, yeah, if you're if you're going with him, I would expect kind of what you saw last year, maybe slight regression. Maybe, I mean, but around that area, right? Lower batting average than usual, higher power than usual. And I don't think the speed's coming back. Yeah, I just I, I guess I'm a little more bullish than most, expecting the fact that I'm expecting ten or so stolen bases over a full season. But well, I mean, I, just, that, I mean that would be fine. I mean, what do you have six, seven? I mean, yeah, ten. That's fine. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not expecting twenty. I, I think those days are behind him. But I think that seventeen mark that he put up in 2018 is very realistic, and I think that's still very valuable in today's climate. Like six, seventeen, fifteen to seventeen stolen bases is legitimately a huge difference in someone's value, like yeah. compared to what it would have been five to seven years ago, probably. Yeah. And the second um, base. I would say that um, because of the speed, he was still in the top 25 in sprint speed. So he's not slower. <laughs> he just, his just attempts just went really down. So again, maybe if he was dinged up, maybe we can see, you know, even, you know, if you, if you think he's healthy and um, still the sprint speed should still be there and you think he can give you 15 plus, he could actually be a steal. 
uh, in drafts, considering, you know, everyone's really on Ozzy Albies. Everyone's really on Keston here. I, I am. Um, and a lot of I'm people just hate, a lot of people really hate Jose Altuve. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I like. I like Altuve at the at the right price, but he always there's always somebody a little higher than him on in drafts. Yeah, which isn't again. I'm not that off on him, but you look at his just one last thing. I guess his um stolen base success rate was just terrible last year. He had six stolen bases and five caught stealing. Like he's always. I mean, he's always. He always actually gets caught pretty frequently. I mean, f- he four out of uh, four last year, sixteen six the year before that, ten the year before that. So he's he gets caught quite a bit. But nothing to the tune of almost fifty percent. But so, uh, so I think, like I said, I think health played a big part in that. And I just think that we get a little bit of a better version of that when winter, if a season starts. So, uh, the guy batting third for roster resources, Michael Brantley, which is maybe a little bit of a surprise for people. You think maybe some of the bigger guys like like uh, Bregman can find their way in there, but try to remember he hit three eleven with a three seventy two on base, still slugged over five hundred for Houston last year. 22 home runs, 90 RBIs, 88 runs scored. Um, not going to give you any speed. There's always injury risk as far as Brantley's past, but he seems to be someone that falls way too far in drafts. Um, people going around him, there's a, the, you're kind of in that trendy area where people are reaching for Fran Mill. Uh, Andrew Benintendi sitting there. If people believe in the bounce back. I know you did a, uh, you recently did a, a breakdown on him, but uh, Brantley's consistent as they get. Um, in baseball savant, if you look at expected batting average, only. Um, only four players were able to uh, have a top 15 expected batting average um, over the last uh, couple of years. Uh, and uh, the only two that were able to do that in both top 15 and both expected batting average and K percentage were Michael Brantley and Anthony Rendon. Um, and, you know, it's just fantastic play discipline, batting third for a really good hitting team. I just think he's very undervalued. Um and the fact that he, you know, gets to play the outfield and play some DH to kind of give him some rest, I think is, you know, is 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 a bonus for him in a shortened season. Though, um, even with the, you know, even on a, an American League team, is there any worry with the amount of games that if they have a season they will be pushing together that he could get some days off? Because that's my only worry with him. I actually think otherwise. I think he's kind of a steal. Uh, my only worry is age and injury. I don't really have the concerns. I feel, I mean, that team, they don't like to play the young guys as is. And then they bring in Dusty Baker, who hates young players. So I think they're going to push the veterans as much as possible, to be honest. And maybe not all of them, but he's been showing health, at least as of last, as of last year. And um, I don't know. I mean, like you say, he is, he is what he is. There's nothing. I'm trying to find out why maybe the power went up. I'm looking at everything I can find. And there's nothing. The barrel, the barrel rate went up. That's probably about it. So the qual again the quality of contact, but I don't know if he really did any of the cheating or anything. To be honest, I couldn't speak to that. I didn't see anything. I never saw his name once included because he was only there for the first time last year. But having a career high barrel rate and a launch angle was actually as career at career high as well. That could probably explain that because it's not a huge jump, and the barrel and again there was a change in the profile somewhere. So at least he's got that going for him. But I think ultimately. You know what you're getting. He's a he's what I would call a roster stabilizer. You set him, forget him, and you move on. I'm not really concerned about the health or the playing time. I think Kyle Tucker's the only one that gets screwed over there. Regardless, all the time, he's screwed. He's just never going to play. Well, for a conspiracy theorist, there's people that think that he turned down the uh, being a part of the scam, and that was the reason that they kind of buried him. I mean, a lot of people think that, <laughs> uh, so it's 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 quite legitimate in terms of like you know what people are thinking. Uh, batting cleanup is Alex Bregman who is probably the guy that is most affected by this, at least from a fantasy perspective, because he was going in the first round. 
you know, batting average, speed, power, kind of your triple crown of fantasy baseball. Um, you know, he, he already had some dings against him as far as having some of the, like, you know, the, the, one of the lower average home run distances. Uh, he really plays to that short porch in Houston, which is fine. Cause he plays in fucking Houston. Um, but ooh, man, I mean, there, if there was ever someone besides Yuli Gurriel, who, by the way, we'll get to soon, who I literally undraftable as far as I'm concerned now, but Alex Bregman, uh, I, there's so much possible regression and there's so many question marks based around what, how he could have been helped. The data in the past is tough for him because he was a younger player. So he naturally just got better. I mean, he was just going to get better anyway. So you don't know what was helped illegally. What was the juice ball? What was just growth for him? In general, I would like to say he's just a kick-ass player. He just happens to be an asshole. Um, but, you know, anyway, he, if you're going to take him, you kind of have to take him in that first round turn. Um, so, we're, again, what are your thoughts on Alex Bregman, who, you know, third base is pretty deep. But to get a guy like him, uh, you know, is out, if he's going to perform like he did last year, is obviously well worth taking in front of a guy even like Nolan Arenado. I can't buy into the price. I mean, unless it's a, po- a points league, it's a good value because his plate discipline is ridiculously good. And we saw the we saw we've seen the walk rate go up each of the last four years with it spiking at a seventeen point two percent clip last year, K rate going down each of the last four years at also a career best twelve percent, albeit by only point one percent better. But I don't know that that part of the profile I love because I love plate discipline. I'm absolutely in love with that. But I just don't think I mean the speed's not there's no real speed there. We're talking five steals over a full year. I mean not that he can't run more that he just doesn't that he doesn't have to. But I do understand my understanding is that he. He has such a good, you know, hand-eye coordination, such a good eye for the ball that he purposely targets balls thrown in a certain area of the zone, and that's why he's able to pull the ball with such success for the home for the power. Because again, he plays that short porch in in Houston, like you mentioned. So my understanding, from what I remember reading or seeing somewhere, is that how that's how he generates a lot of his home runs and his power production. To call that sustainable is tough. I don't, and I think forty-one is obvious. A forty-one home runs is going to be the outlier. I think that's just a perfect mix of what he. Do you does think though with a. I mean, I, I hate people that lean on launch angle, but in this case, it makes sense. He increased his launch angle. He decreased his, his ground ball rate went way down. Like he went from 38% mm-hmm. to 34.6 down to 31. Um, so he was actually just elevating the ball more. And, you know, his hard hit percentage jumped up almost full 10%. Soft contact was, you know, pretty much is, is the main thing that suffered. Went 5% because obviously ground balls are usually hit less. So I agree that it looks like it could be an outlier, but... I get as much as I want to doubt him. Everything I see as far as him hitting the ball harder seems to anything I look for. It seems to make sense. Like everything he did should have resulted in him probably hitting more home runs, 31 to 41 for a guy taking advantage of his surroundings. But the only thing is, you know, he really took advantage of his surroundings. (laughs) You know, exactly. And, but you met, but like you mentioned, um, even though he put the ball in the air more, that actually didn't come out. Like it's crazy. I think he just got took advantage of putting the ball in the air more because the barrel rate decreased last year. the The exit velocity, the average exit velocity, and the exit velocity on fly balls and line drives both decreased last year. And the hard hit rate itself, on at least as, as Avant Savant. Oh, it's it, all you know, it's all red flags. You literally he's easy ball. He's so. a ball factor. He's a ballpark factor guy for sure. If you don't dig into, if you don't dig into, uh, was it Minute Maid Field? What is it down there now? Yeah, I don't know. You're whatever right. you are, whatever you are, Enron, whatever you are in Houston. Um, yeah, he's someone who literally, if he left that park, he would be, you know, I mean, depending on where he went, 
Uh, but yeah, if he's someone you literally have to judge based on where he's hit, where he's playing his home games, which maybe in a shortened season where he doesn't have as many of those, uh, you know, you know, it's, I'm just. I, I, like, I have. Like, I do have zero shares of this guy. <laughs> yeah, you put. You mentioned, like you said, putting the ball in the air more could just play to that park's. You know, just that park and that skill set, and because he pulls the ball a ton, I believe. I have to double check that. I'm almost positive he pulls it crazy. I'm mixing up my numbers on people to be completely honest. But um, my understanding is that I know he pulls the ball quite a bit. I passed it. There it is. Yeah, forty-five point three percent. It actually went down last year as well. So for him to put more balls. <laughs> in the air and to lose to, to go down on pull rate to go down on uh exit velocity hard hit rate and barrel rate i'm surprised the home runs went up as much as they did so i'm really wondering what's going to happen without a juice ball but i still think he's a solid player i just still can't buy it on the price period that's all oh and by the <laughs> way it is minute made it is minute made park i just googled it real quick because i, I knew i'm like I thought I knew it was, but I wasn't sure if they changed it either because these days baseball parks change their names like every other year it feels like. So he does have a near like ninety percent contact percentage uh, in 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 the zone. He's actually like ninety two percent. So I mean, there's there's a ton yeah, there. He's just a, he's he is a just a, he's, he's a really good hitter. <laughs> um, who would you rather have uh, for this year? Like just in a you know not even not even picking in a draft. Just if you had to bet, who has a bigger year, Bragman or Rendon? A bigger year? They're, they're very similar players. I'm going to go with the better lineup and the better ballpark and go with Bregman. But, yeah, I think I think Rendon has the higher floor, and people might not agree with that. Who would you rather have, Arenado or Bregman, considering Arenado does not go anywhere? Oh, yeah, okay, that's easier than it's Arenado for me. Is it? Okay. Because well, uh, that's something that's, like, hanging over people's heads. I don't even know I'm if it'll be not as I've heard you talk about this, and I'm not nearly as fearful as well um, as with Arenado leaving cores as well. Because I think he'll be one of those that give him time, he'll adjust to hitting on the road. He might not yes. be the 300-plus hitter, but he might be a 275, 280 hitter. With, but with that power and that hit tool, I think he could still be what Bregman is already. Like, <laughs> or what Bregman's, Breg, Breg, Bregman's ceiling is essentially what you get from um, – I know I started like crazy. Bregman's ceiling is what uh, Arenado pretty much does every year without trying, and that's with cores. Without cores, I think he can still be somewhat similar. It depends on, obviously, his surroundings and whatnot as far as the team context goes, but I, I'm not nearly as concerned as I thought I would be with Arenado if he, if he were to leave uh, cores. Uh, Yuli Yuli Gurriel is uh, batting fifth for the line for the in the lineup. He, I'm totally out on him. His his difference between his slugging and his expected slugging was uh, 119, like fifth in MLB. Uh, another person that really took advantage of Minute Maid Park slash Enron. Um, he he took advantage. His pull percentage has gone up like year over year over year. Um, his home run road splits are really was the uh and it, for for everything was very stark for him uh home run fly ball percentage everything so but you can say that for alex bregman too but you know i really you know there's a lot of things to show why bregman like was just kind of becoming a better hitter he's young he's coming into his prime uh what are your thoughts on yuli guriel yeah i'm with you he, I mean, he's good for batting average i mean that the hit tool has never been a question i have a hard time buying into that power outburst I mean, we. It's funny because it actually all came pretty much July and part of August. Like it was twelve home runs in July. I believe I, I remember it being like a six-week span of just a complete crazy power output. And 
Yeah, it's because, like you mentioned, he did start pull, he started pulling the ball more. I believe he put it in the air more. But I remember, wasn't his barrel rate like 3.8% or something crazy low? Something that's like unsustainably low for a 30 home run hitter or whatever he was last year. Yeah, um, if you look at things like standard deviation, a launch angle, and um, everything everything that you would look for for someone to repeat this, to not be affected by the juice ball, to not be affected by the you know the luck that he kind of had on his side, nothing kind of lines up for him. Not to mention, what is he, 36 now? Uh, his yeah. ground ball rate went down dramatically also from 46 to 44 to 38. His fly balls went up from 35 to 39. Um, so, I mean, there's some things to back it up. And I said, you know, he, like I said, his pull percentage was going, going north. But like you said, uh, barrel percentage, 3.8. That is That's not career, what, career high 3.8. Get yeah, it right. career high 3.8 <laughs> after having a 1.9 the year before. Um, so yeah, there's, there's just too many red flags for me on this one, man. It's going to be a no for me, dog. <laughs> who, the, who the hell is that guy? Randy I don't know. But, Jackson? Oh yeah. yeah Randy. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. From, uh, oh my goodness. Uh, what's that show called? Uh, American, American, Idol. Yeah, American Idol. But Simon, or Simon was a jerk, but yeah, I remember that. So oh, wow. No for me, dog. Gurry, yeah, literally, he's a guy that I go into a room and I'll like, I just don't even have him on my list. Someone will take him and I'll be like, oh, he was still available. I don't know because I took him off my list before the draft started. I don't I, I don't want any of this. I, I hate to do that to people, but he's pretty much somebody I've ended up with no shares of as well because he's just he offers. I don't, I'm not buying the last year and the upside is very limited. And considering we have to take him in drafts, he uh, there's other players I'd rather take a chance on as far as like for upside or for whatever. Like I'd rather take a chance on Evan White going like 150 picks later. Well, here, just you just wrote about Brian Anderson. I don't think Rather. that Yuli Gurriel, I guarantee there's no way Gurriel is going to be that much better than Brian Anderson. And there's like a gigantic difference. I think the ADP is like 50, 50 picks or so. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would much rather have Anderson. I would much rather. I mean, there's other people in the area. I would obviously still rather have like Hunter <laughs> yeah. Dozier. But I mean, CJ Crone, give me him, you know, instead. He goes after him. That's why yeah, I said Evan I mean, White. Like, I, I mean, I'd rather wait on Evan White just to take a shot. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I wouldn't want to start Evan White though, so I could, that would be a perfect person to pair him with. Maybe <laughs> let me let me re, let me backtrack a little bit. <laughs> let me not let me not like let me not recommend Evan White being your starting first baseman. That is his name, right? For some reason, I'm thinking it's not his name. That's definitely Evan his Wh- name, right? Yeah, Evan White. Yeah, that's his name. Yeah, okay, I don't know why I'm th- I'm thinking of Tyler White. I think is the other name I'm thinking of right now for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and here's the guy um, that is going to be batting a hell of a lot higher than six at some point. And that's Jordan Alvarez, who was obviously he was. He, he had a lot of weird, uh, a lot of weird uh, health like red flags before the season, like things you don't want to see from a player that young. But twenty-two years old. Yeah, the uh, last year he had three thirteen, four twelve, six fifty-five slugging with twenty-seven home runs and seventy-eight RBIs, one hundred and seventy-eight weighted runs created plus. After already having hit twenty-three home runs and seventy-one RBIs in Triple A. Uh, so for those, you know, without a calculator, he hit 50 home runs last year and, you know, zero stolen bases. What a bum. But, uh, (laughs) I don't get why anyone is really doubting this guy. You know, his hard contact percentage was over 50%. His soft contact was 10, 10% eggs. Average exit velocity was 92.2, which would be really good for someone's home run to fly ball exit velocity. His barrel percentage, by the way, what was Gurriel's? Two, three, three point eight, three point eight. Jordan seventeen point two. He was in the top two percent in barrel percentage of the league and top five percent of exit velocity. 
Uh, he is amazing. And even the expected stats, they don't quite line up. His expected batting average was 289 versus 313, but still 289 is actually some of, one of the best in the league. Expected slugging 602 versus 655. Expected WOBA was 410 versus 432. You know, all those numbers combined with a 342 ISO. How can you be surprised he hit 50 home runs? I, I love Jordan. The only question I had about him was his health, but uh, yeah, I'm all about that. People are I'm not knocking Juan Soto. He's fantastic. He's going in the first round. You got J.D. Martinez going in the second round. Um, if you're going to be making trying to take a shot on a triple crown type hitter with no power, I think Jordan doesn't get anywhere near enough respect. I totally believe in everything he did. You mean you meant no speed because you said no power and oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no speed. <laughs> yeah, I'm just yeah he, has, he has a little. That. He has a little. He has a little bit of power, <laughs> which, by the bit. way, <laughs> he also is a very selective hitter, uh, which makes his power more devastating. His his Z contact again, you know, contact within the strike zone was 85. <laughs> percent I mean, yeah. this guy's uh, this guy's uh, swinging strike rate was 10.4 for again for a guy hitting 50 home runs is insane. Now, just a little pushback because I can't get in on the price, man. I'm not questioning the talent. And there's the things for me is like, how how do the playoffs? Do you think at the bigger stage of the playoffs affected why he was kind of so bad throughout the playoffs at some points, like stuff like that? Just like little things like that. I start thinking about like, is that going to transition translate to the regular season this year? There's a, although there's a there's a lot of people that choke in the playoffs. I, I don't. I I'm not going to hold it against a 22 year old. Yeah, I, I do get it. I mean, he has arguably the best raw power in the American League. Mm-hmm. 342 ISO, over 50% hard contact, over 92% exit velocity. And he also had a lower swing strike percentage than Jeff McNeil, pretty much right in line with Nolan Arenado. So, yeah, I'm not questioning the skills. I'm questioning yeah. just that. Uh, just like I said, that was just me playing devil's advocate as far as like, again, we all know playoffs are a different animal altogether. Yeah. Players have way, teams have way more tape. They get to put in way more focus on these each individual batter, stuff like that. I totally understand that. But um, you look at health. He never played more than I think nine. It was at ninety-one games at in any level before last year. Yep. He had knee problems coming into like during spring training. He was actually, I think they were saying he was going to miss opening day because yeah, the knee problems it was, just weren't subsiding. Yeah. Yeah. I hated like it. You mentioned. Yeah, that was awful. <laughs> and 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 that's him as a DH. He's not even in the field. So you're going to tell me as a DH he can't stay healthy? That's like like are you kidding me? And he's a fourth round pick. Sometimes a third, I guess. Right? No, almost always a fourth. So that's where my concern comes in. And then the DH only thing. I, it was a big reason why I avoided Chris Davis in 2018, and um, yeah, man, I just uh, it's it's the health. The health scares me, and I it, don't maybe it should scare me. It. it should scare me more than it does. We mentioned like the different levels. It's too like it's not like this came out of nowhere. People look like Aquino or other people that you're not you're not sure if you should believe in anyone. In 2017, in A ball, he had 360, 658 slugging. Uh, in a ball 2018 in double a 325 with a 615 slugging in triple a in 2019 343 with 742 slugging kicked ass every single level and even for a young guy platoon splits not an issue versus left-handed hitters 307 with a 649 slugging 389 on base 342 iso versus righties 317 batting average 424 on base 658 slugging 342 iso 22 years old um yeah the health scares me but man Freaking like not enough. Um, <laughs> and we're only talking about, we're also only talking about a half a season of production. We've had Bellinger go through sophomore slums. We've seen Puig come up, light the world on fire, and have a, a rough second year. Yeah. I'm just saying stuff like that. That's another reason why there's just so much. P- oh, yeah. Yeah. We're so willing to look past that. And not, again, I, I, I'll be wrong, but I'm okay with being wrong because 
although he could be a first round ta- as far as offensive stats go, he could be a first round talent. There's no doubting that. I'm just I guess my I, bets. I guess you know what it is. It's like I look That's at the data and I can't I can't find a reason to say no. There's plenty. There's always a reason to say no. Like Pete Alonso, yeah. there's a reason you can see in the second half. Like you can see pitchers trying to sequence him a little this year. His home runs go down from 50 to 40. There's reasons you can see it. I mean, I mentioned the splits there um, versus breaking balls. He still batted 276, 701 slugging, 10 home runs, only 98 plate appearances, but still like there's no split weakness. There's no, he, he, he hits every single kind of pitch coming his way. It just, there's no weakness. His only weakness is himself. <laughs> he literally is his, his own knees. worst. He's his own worst <laughs> enemy. His, so, his knees are weak. He can't, he so, can't handle them. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So man, I freaking, I love it. Um, no, I, I, like I said, I totally understand the excitement. I totally get it, but I just can't bank such a high pick on the the potential risk. That's all it is. No, and... you're you're right. Um, if he's healthy, I think he's Miguel Cabrera. Like, that, Upside, I, yeah. I, I I don't <laughs> think that Juan Soto. I believed in when he came up. There's not many because I usually say I don't believe in rookies. I trade them all in dynasty leagues. Give me proven talent. But Jordan Alvarez is someone that do not trade. <laughs> I live with yeah. the knees. And I mean, depending, you know, there's always everyone has a price. Mike Trout has a price. But uh, I don't know. I love Jordan. Love him, love him. It's okay. And hey, you put up plenty of statistical reasoning too. There's, I'm not arguing the numbers, I'm arguing the real life aspect of things. Plus, again, roster construction can also be hindered because personally, I'd rather have Nelson Cruz, who's a similar skill set, going as much as like 40 picks later. <laughs> I, and, I, I, like, I don't know. years I, old. I never doubt Nelson Cruz, and he's always a great value. And I actually but have never said this. Before. I've ne- no, I've never said this before. But that that cliff's got to be coming, right? I mean, it has to be. I've <laughs> never he, actually. Said, I've, I've never doubted it. I've actually never doubted him. But this year, I'm finally like, come on, it's people. Coming. People said that about Big Poppy too. And I think yeah. he had one down year, and then he shut everybody up before retiring. So uh, <laughs> batting next is uh, Carlos Correa, who, for the life of me, I don't understand. You look at all the projections again. They don't make in. They don't matter now. But before you know the 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 situation we're currently in, uh, the bat ATC steamer. They all had him projected for a career high, or a career best season in his in his sixth year. They have him projected for a career best season. How can you project anyone for a career best season that has injury history? I don't understand. They're giving him over six hundred plate appearances. Some of them, thirty home runs, uh, batting two seventy or above. Um, but he, you are getting a discount. So I, I found myself with zero shares of Correa. Not that anyone has been really reaching for him. He's there. Um, I you typically have been waiting. Like if I don't take a shortstop early, if I don't end up with story or Lindor, I typically end up waiting for a guy like maybe Tim Anderson or, or Ahmed Rosario, someone I can try to get some stolen bases out of. Uh, but what do you think of Carlos Correa? Because if you believe that he's going to be healthy, I don't know why you would. Uh, he is a steal, but uh, apparently all the projection systems seem to like him. He has played 75 games or more the last four years. Far, sorry, the last five years. And this year, we're almost guaranteed to barely have 75 games. So I could bank on him being healthy. No, <laughs> that's, th- no, that's the I'm thing, kidding. though, with him. Like, that's about that, all I got. That, like, that's uh, the, well, people are like, oh, he'll play less games. Maybe he'll be healthy. But if he misses a percentage of games now, I mean yeah. – He'll still be out the same amount of days. I don't think. I don't think uh, your body knows it's a shortened season. If you were going to no, be out seventy-five games in a hundred and sixty-game season, that's one thing. If you're going to be out seventy-five games in a seventy-five game season, you're not going to play. 
but yeah, uh, I'm willing to give. I think it's a lot of it's just upside. Of, it's a good upside play there because where he's going, it's around guys that might be not as much up, not, might not have as much upside. Some of them do. I'm trying to remember his ADP. It's similar. I think it's similar to like uh, Solaire and guys like that. Tim Anderson, other guys around that area, I believe. So I can. Um, I'm I'm actually in on his price, but I don't get a lot of them. I kind of I like to again hedge my bets. I took a share two just in case. He, you know, he could stay healthy this year, but because I like it, and I think he was safe. I think he was solid. The one year that he didn't hit 274 or better was um, in 2018 when he had a BABIP that was sub 300. He's not like he hasn't necessarily been a high BABIP guy, but a 282 is by far lower than even his his own career average of 315. So I think realistically that 274 275 average was fair to, to ask for with 25 or so 25 or so home runs. He put in 109 games in 2017. He put up 24. So I think realistically, you, again, you can get twenty. You you were going to get twenty five or so home runs, two seventy five batting average, and although those aren't exciting numbers, those were safe, solid numbers, and you were getting it late. I know again at shortstop, it's not really that valuable to get those numbers. Like if you were the the, 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 the people you mentioned that you're passing over at that point, um, like if you needed steals or you wanted to go for the outfield, if you needed a shortstop, I mentioned Tim Anderson in in Ahmed mm-hmm. Rosario. But I mean, we can wait on like Paul DeJong. How much different? Is he really gonna be other than batting average? I mean, batting average will obviously be a different, but That's I don't know if it's batting average. It's just no, no, yeah. Well, it is two seventy though. It's not like three hundred. I just I don't know. I, I think there's two. There's just the question marks versus his probable yeah. the versus his proven ceiling. I guess I don't yeah, know. Not, it, not enough juice for the squeeze. Is yeah, what saying, I can't yeah. get. I can't get excited. I can understand it. I'm not saying I'm excited. I think he was more of a guy that. If say you took a little bit riskier approach, then maybe you end up with a Stanton prior to injury early in the rounds, or you took somebody that's maybe more of a batting average liability, mm-hmm. and you yeah. wanted something that was safer. That he was still going to give you the you know four categories, and one of them was going to be a solid, not elite, but a solid batting average. That's where he kind of you kind of like again you can skip on like remember how you were mentioning Springer and Blackman? I think this was that type of player with a little less upside in runs a little less obviously because of where he's batting uh, a lot less upside in runs I should say but a little less upside in power and maybe a slightly lower batting average but a similar profile that you could have gotten what five rounds later six rounds later with 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 upside for better who would or you rather have who would you rather have Carlos Correa or um Corey Seager I knew you were going to ask me that I'd rather have I'd rather have Correa but the Seager the price of Seager with a similar idea of as far as upside goes I, I totally get it. Both have the same injury history. Both have um, elite prospect pedigree. Both have the same kind of like everyone thinks that this could be the year, and one's going at a far. I'm just thinking discount. if you were looking for batting average and you wanted to take the risk, Seager would probably be a better bet. <laughs> you think yeah, Seager hasn't really been hitting for average like we expected him to? Well, well, last year he was working with the the hitting coach that brought JD Martinez up to where he is, so he was actually working and on Turner, launch angle yeah. things. So Did I don't Justin know. Turner, he's the same guy. Yeah. So I don't know. And Turner obviously can merge the two. I don't know if Seager's going to try to merge the two or if he's going to sell out for power. Uh, but it's just another. Oh, I was wrong. Seager hit two seventy. Seager hit two seventy two last year. For some reason, I swore he didn't hit that high last year. Yeah. Well, he was. Weird, but like, he was someone who at like three. What was it? What was his peak? Three ten. Three fifteen. Uh, three oh eight. 308? Uh, three, well, 337 in 27 games, but I won't count that. 308 no. in 2016, three, 295, 267. So, yeah, so yeah, he has a, he's pretty much the same player. You are right. You're not wrong there. I just think that his like, – I don't know, man. Even his health has been a little better. I have to maybe re um, 
I've also come up on Seager more. Though. I think I moved Seager to my top 120 in my latest ranks. So I'm I'm obviously higher on him than most. Yeah. I don't I don't I didn't mean to turn this but. into a dry tribe about Corey Seager. It's no, more you about love Corey Seager. But just so good many point. Just it's recency bias. People Korea, forget about. I can't. I can't. <laughs> people forget about Seager. I forgot about Seager. Uh, next right. in the next in the lineup is Josh Reddick and Martin Maldonado, according to Roster Resource. We're gonna ignore the living yes. shit out of that. It's gotta be. I'm talking. We're talking about Kyle Tucker. There's no way they're letting Reddick play, right? It's Kyle. Yeah, Tucker. No, they are. Did no you, way. Did you not realize. Look at their. Who's their manager? Come on. Uh, Josh Baker. Reddick sucks. Dusty Baker. Tell me Kyle, when he's ever started a young guy over a veteran, please. When Kyle Tell Tucker had 38, 38 home runs last year and thirty five stolen bases. What did he do in the majors, though? The guy just couldn't. He hasn't he been able two, to translate. He hit two set. He hit two sixty nine with four home runs and five stolen bases and seventy two plate appearances. It's not bad. Not not. Yeah, it's just it hasn't translated to what we expected, which is fine because he hasn't he hasn't been given the opportunity like every other rookie that has come up has been allowed. They have know. to. They're, I, they when they go hot. I would assume even Dusty will know to go hot hand in a shortened season. Where 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 are you taking Kyle Tucker? Because this is someone you're actually probably not getting a proper. Maybe you're getting a proper discount on him because he's kind of going just in front of the uh, the Schwarber frame mill area, right? That's where he's currently going. Schwar- That's where he was going. I think he moved down. Is he down? Because of, I think so. I'll, but the I'll big right the big issue with him is if he's starting, you can get twenty to thirty stolen bases, where the other guys are giving you zero. Um, that's the big difference here. Is is Tucker has the ability. The ability again. I'm, you know, there's a lot of good players on this team. Tucker has the ability to be the best fantasy player on the Astros, and they have a lot of really good ones. I, I wish. I mean, I, there's nothing to really argue there at all. I'm trying to look up the ADP data for the last three days, by the yeah, way. Because that's you know? the yeah, that's the whole thing with him. And we're not Dynasty. We're talking redraft, everybody. Uh, yes. Because obviously in Dynasty, they're gonna they can't hold them back forever. Um, you know, maybe. But uh, yeah, maybe as far they as, should just trade them at this point. I don't know why they haven't. Get another pitcher in there and call it a day. <laughs> but he's going, um, no, he's going once over the last 30 days since mm-hmm. April 27th. He's going 171.92 on average. So he's dropped down considerably. He's going behind yeah. Hunter Dozier and ahead of guys like Chris Davis. Oh, then abs- absolutely. Then he's absolutely a I'm steal. Okay. Totally fine with that price. Not okay with the uh, price he was before. Before Am I, I wrong? Going, I thought he was going. Wasn't he going no, in that you're area? Right. I he swear, was, right? I swear you're right. Or at least if he wasn't, well, you have to remember, Schwarber and Fremil were going like around 135 to 140-ish. Maybe 120, maybe 130-ish, maybe the earliest. Schwarber, uh, Kyle Tucker was kind of creeping in around that 150 range. So it was like, right, I think it was right behind them, I believe, but still within that same area. We've since seen Fremil jump up, Schwarber slightly move, and then Kyle Tucker plummet. And I think that's an overcorrection. But at the same time, I just think that Dusty Baker is going to be Dusty Baker and do Dusty Baker things and ruin. And we're going to have watch Kyle Tucker 2021 is going to be his year. The year when everyone's done with him. He's going to be a post, post, post hype sleeper. Uh, the rest of the team, before we move on to the rotation, uh, Miles Straw, Aledemus Diaz, is uh, even Josh Reddick, who I just kind of completely ignored. Is there any player here that you have any interest in in, in the deepest of leagues? Deep, I was going to say deepest of leagues. I do. Straw. Deepest of leagues. Yeah. Straw and 15 team, like DCs, like draft champions leagues, where it's 15 team draft and hold. 750 players get drafted. He has value if you're chasing speed because he could play, he could play all over the field. He's a utility guy. He might get more. If there's, you know, if we get a season and it's condensed with more games, more double headers, you might see more playing time for him. He's limited, obviously, as far as ceiling goes, but the speed is as real as it gets. So I think there's stolen base potential there, and stolen bases have value no matter where you can get them. So that's I would like to. Guy. I would like. I would like to think that if Carlos Correa, when he goes down, 
they let Straw play shortstop rather than Alanis Diaz. But it probably wouldn't happen. Um, but, uh, you know, a guy can dream. Um, going to the rotation, finally. Man, he spent a lot of time on the hitters. Uh, Justin Verlander, who most people talk about how he stole a Cy Young Award like he's Rick Porcello or something. He did have a 2.58 ERA and a .8 whip. Garrett Cole obviously deserved the award, but, you know, I think Justin Verlander did okay. 35% strikeout rate uh, and 223. 223 innings pitched. Uh, the only thing question here is he's getting older. He um, was going to miss the beginning of the regular season when it was, when it was still on uh, with a groin injury. Uh, he should be good to go. So right now beforehand, he was going right around like starting pitcher anywhere between starting pitcher three to five, uh, right after DeGrom and Cole, he was kind of in that mix with like uh, Bueller Scherzer Verlander for the next guy up. So are you comfortable taking uh, Justin Verlander there and redressed him? First off, I'm glad you skipped the deeper analysis because we know who Verlander is. The only There's only two questions. One is where I still take him there. I would, but I don't have to, which is fantastic. I actually I did bump him down from being, I think, fourth to fifth. I still have him as a top five starting pitcher. We'll talk. I wonder what, where you have him, so we'll get to that in a moment. But I still have him as a top five starting pitcher. The only difference is I put Bueller ahead of him just for uh, – the just for safety purposes. I feel like Bueller hasn't shown any type of injury concerns and he's not aging, but that's again, that's preference. I don't really question the skill set. but are you concerned at his age of the decline? He hasn't shown any, uh, any decline. The velocity has always been there and all that. So I'm not worried. I'm not concerned about decline. I'm not too concerned about this injury. It's past him. He had surgery to correct it. I know it's a groin, so it could flare up, but a guy at his age with his, you know, experience, I would like to think he knows how to manage his body more than a younger guy would. So maybe I'm just putting too much faith in something I can't measure. But what about you, Matt? I have him in the top five still, but it's a, it's a worthless thing for me to say because I'm not drafting him for a couple of reasons. <laughs> One, the Houston, I'm not sure if the umpires aren't going to have a little vigilante justice on this team as far as screwing them both on both sides. We didn't mention it with the hitters, but they could be getting screwed with calls on both sides of the plate before robo-umpiring comes in. Again, that's not a reason to bump anyone down. The groin injury, I think he'll be fine, actually. I'm not really worried about his age either. But there's a ton of other pitchers that I like, and starting pitching is really risky. So rather than take a shot in the first round where you really can't afford to miss, uh, I'd rather take Bueller if I wanted to take a pitcher, like you said. Um, I think the floor – I don't think the ceiling is there, uh, but I think the floor certainly is. Um, or I'd rather rate – you know, take, I'd take Shane Bieber in the third. <laughs> um, I'd rather have Clevenger still. He's Yeah, Clevenger. I, you know, that would be perfect too. So I don't doubt him. I, but I'm not taking him because I need to be 100% sure about a person. The only pitcher I'm probably taking in the first round is, is, is Cole or DeGrom. And really, I only really mm -hmm. want DeGrom. De Cole in Yankee Stadium does bother me a little bit. Again, I need to be 100% sure if I'm taking a pitcher in the first or second round. And I usually don't do it for a reason. Um, so, again, nothing wrong with Verlander, but I'm probably not taking him. For yeah, exactly. That's philosophical <laughs> philosophical reasons. Yeah, team, my team builds usually don't get me a pitcher in the first or second round either. So that's unless it's unless it's the, I shouldn't say that because technically if I'm at the two three turn after picking first overall, I might accidentally grab the pitcher in the second round. I'm doing that with air quotes because you get back to back picks. But other than that, that's only that's like the earliest I usually end up taking a pitcher in drafts. I rarely end up with one unless it's Cole or Degrom. And like you said, I'm actually with you on the Degrom over Cole thing. Um, unless Degrom falls to like pick ten or later, and even then I'm still questioning it because I usually want to grab somebody with speed. Because if you pass on Degrom, if you take Degrom like even or Cole that late, you're still losing out on the potential base stealers early on in the draft. And 
Maybe there's too much of an emphasis on that. That's a whole other discussion. But I usually like to make sure I get a hitter, even two in the first two rounds. I prefer to go that route as well. So yeah. you and I have similar team-building ideas. Um, Zach Greinke, is he a steal or is he a, uh, or is he a waste of a pick? <laughs> Cause that seems to be like probably what's going on. It, it landing in the middle doesn't look likely. He had a two, nine, three ERA, a 0.98 whip and a 23% strikeout rate, which it continues to go down. Uh, strikeout rate keeps going down. His velocity continues to go down. Um, the, the, the cliff is coming. We can see it. It literally, you can actually see the cliff for Zach Greinke. It's just, is this the year? You're getting a discount on what his production from last year is, but either he repeats it and he's a steal or the cliff comes and you've wasted a pick. I don't bother with him. I just don't. He's in an area, Tyler Glass now, in a shortened season, love it, especially in a shortened season where a lot of the guys with innings limits you no longer care. Even Frankie Montas, who people had had concerns with a, you know, with a short with a uh, workload in a shortened season. Um, you don't have those with so with with pitching coming closer and closer together. I just see no reason to take the risk on Grinky personally. See, there's two ways to look at this, and like there you is, said, kind there of, is. there's kind of it's pretty much you're in or you're out. I was out initially. I know a lot of his value came from the idea that he throw he's going to throw you 200 innings, get you 200 strikeouts, almost be like just that solid guy. You know, you're getting the ratios. Now with a shortened season, I'm a little more interested. I might buy you know at the discount on some teams because I'm not I'm on the opposite side of the argument with as you are. The shortened season, I'm not, I'm a firm believer teams are just going to say, "Hey, go th- go out there and throw to the young guys." I think they're going to be like, "You know what? This is a shortened season. You'll get your innings, but we're going to start you off throwing you 3, 4, 5 innings maybe." just slowly introducing them to a regular workload whereas guys like Grinky, they don't need that warm-up period. Hey, game 1, you can go throw 6 innings the first game and stuff like that. Good. So I think so I think the innings concerns won't be there. And although the Ks won't be there, I think you can make up the Ks later on with some high end guys and or and relievers. And you can but you can know for sure you're you're banking those ratios. And ratios are gonna be way harder to make up in fantasy this year. You can't stream to ratios, you can't bank on a second half run. Ratios are gonna be hit hard and fast. You need somebody who's gonna set you with a high floor in ratio stats in order to sustain them at a, at a lower area compared to streaming pitchers or playing the high upside guys that get wrecked. The problem the or giants. Or here's my issue with Granky. Who I, I don't think if you take him, you're going to be necessarily upset, but with the declining velocity and strikeout rate, mm-hmm. what separates him from Kyle Hendricks? The ratios, the sub one whip and the sub three. ERA. Do, you, do you, you think that's going to happen? I still, uh, if, if it's anything, I think maybe it's a low three ERA, but still, I think the ERA is still a huge. That's where he, that's where his value is now is the ratios, strictly the ratios. And I, still I, I can, in him. I can, I can see him, especially he's old enough to make changes. The Astros still have an analytics department <laughs> that yeah. is, is widely regarded as, is pretty sharp. So they can work with his pitch mix. It wouldn't shock me if he has another fantastic season. It wouldn't, and but it wouldn't shock he's a me if he ended pitcher too, though. He's also a finesse pitcher. He hasn't, he hasn't depend on velocity like Verlander does either. So that's no, a whole other skill set that he. So that, well, I think that translates well, and that can stick with him having the ratios. And this is the first time I've ever defended Grinky. By the way, I, I I argued with Nick Pollock back in like what April or sorry January February. I argued with him because he was big on Grinky and I was off on Grinky. I was like, no, no interest. This is the first time I'm a believer in him, and it's because of I think again his skill set and how it will give you a difference in two stats. Come and of course wins, which are hard to chase in any format. But I, I just I think there's I I agree I get what you're saying. I just think there's a chance he's a lot closer to a three five ERA than a three. 
Gotcha. And that goes back to the level of belief. And I just, I don't know, his track record's long enough for me to suggest that I think the whip sustains where it's at. I think the ERA is going to be closer to like a low, maybe a 3.1 at worst. Who would you rather have, uh, Zach Greinke or Aaron Nola? Um, I'd still go Nola. There's enough upside there with Nola with a similar skill set. Okay. Just curious. Someone in the vicinity. Uh, well, the thing, I don't, I won't, I won't end up with a lot of Grinky. I know that, but I do see the value in him. I guess that's so why I'm defending the value in him. I can understand it, but I won't end up with a lot of them because I still like glass. now was another good name. I'd rather have glass now, but I, I can't agree with Montas. I can't agree with Lazardo. I can't, and that's not because I like Lazardo, but I can't agree with it because I, the reason why, the reason being, especially with Lazardo was the reason I gave you about, I don't think they're going to just um, unleash them day one the way we hope they will. And we don't have time to wait. <laughs> uh, and, and third in the rotation is Jose Urquidy, who he, he's a myst- mystical kind of. He uh, he came up and he uh, in 2019 in AAA, he had a 16 point, he's 16% uh, strikeout rate over 100 frames. And then he pitched in the World Series through five shutout innings and got a win, uh, which is kind of the thing that kind of stuck in people's minds. Um, it's just a matter of how much you believe in what we saw in a limited sample size because he has his fastball is 93 miles per hour. He lived left it in the zone over 60% of the time, 800 plus OPS against it. Uh, I don't like drafting pitchers with bad fastballs, uh, but I've, I have turned, I have turned the corner on Shane Bieber. I think that there's enough there. He's sharp enough to kind of hide it. Um, and then, of course, you got the Reds, who all have terrible fastballs, but they're really dependent on their breaking stuff and and getting ground balls. Um, but anyway, Jose Arquiti, are you kind of in or out? Because he seems like a good risk, even if you don't believe, because he's going late. So it's just a matter of do you believe in some guys around him with maybe a bigger ceiling um, that haven't proven it at all yet? Or, or are you in on uh, someone like him where we do you believe in the upside? I'm going to likely take the upside. I think I have him relatively aggressively ranked. Um, top 65, I believe it is, overall. I, I'm not sure who's going around him right now. So if you pull up the AD, I can pull up the ADP. I actually have it up so I can look it up in a minute. But just look at some of his offerings, and you see the the slider and curve. At least both of those have above average um, swing strike rates. So you know he has two swing and miss pitches for all intents and purposes. And, again, we're talking about a guy – you mentioned the fastball has a 14.3% barrel rate, by the way, if you're curious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't, but, I don't uh, like, I don't like that at all, but you're looking at a team that likes to get the most out of their guys, breaking balls. He didn't throw the curve as much as you'd like, but with a slider and a curve that probably could be playable. I don't see how he can't maybe transition to using those more. And with it comes some more success. So I'm willing to take the shot on the upside. Cause it looks like he has two usable uh, breaking pitches. So I think like I'd rather, Maybe you can educate me on the current ADP because I haven't I current right current ADP. I'm not as as as, as versed on because people are. Well, doing I have it up. I just pulled it up and I'm. Looking uh, where's at Mitch overall. Keller? Where's Mitch Keller in comparison to him? All right, let's. I just pulled another guy, right another now. young yeah. guy with a who had a shitty fastball at least in the majors, uh, who I'd he, I'd rather have than Urquidy. Let's see. So let's look up Urquidy real quick. See where he's going. Um, oh, and no. then you have guys that are obviously going after him, like uh, Aaron Savale. If you just want, you're talking about ratios. I, I think the strikeouts weren't believable for him. But if you want someone who's maybe safer um, to kind of help you along, maybe he's. You know, I think there's other people I'd rather. Yeah, I'm know. not gonna have. I'm not gonna have much of Urquidy either. I thought I was gonna like him. He's going at 208, which isn't bad. But then guys behind him, Tanaka. If you want a higher floor guy. You can kind of, I mean, I'm not going to take, it's not over him personally, but he's there. Dylan Bundy and all his hype. 
Joe Musgrove is behind all three of those guys, which I don't believe why that should not be a thing, but that is a thing. Adrian Hauser's down there. Mitch Keller, Josh. James Mitch Keller a- a- after, after all these names. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So, I want, yeah, I want, I want I almost have, all these guys instead of Urquidy. I won't have, yeah, I won't have Urquidy <laughs> at all either. And I'm, and I was a pro Urquidy guy, but the two big ones, I mean, I can understand him or Keller. I can understand if you were torn, but I have no, there's no way I'm taking Urquidy over Musgrove or Hauser. But that's uh, that's just me though. So, and but yeah, that but alone again, Mitch Keller is also still in that argu- argument. You might even the only reason why you would take Urquidy would be upside in team context because Mitch Keller might get killed by having no offense to help him over there in uh, Pittsburgh. So, uh, Lance McCullers, who oh love him, one of the one of the best uh, curveballs in baseball, maybe the best. I don't know. Um, in twenty eighteen. Uh, in 128 innings, he had a 3.86 ERA, 1.17 WHIP, and a 27% strikeout rate. In a shortened season, you have to assume he's one of those guys. Actually, I don't know. Will it does it help him, or does the percentage of games he missed make this make this much tougher? But I mean, the curveball, 39% strikeout rate for his career, 179 batting average against, 18% swinging strike rate. It's just fantastic, and his his fastball is not bad either. Um, even though it's not kind of like a swinging miss pitch. Uh, he did held batters to a 255, 252 batting average against, which, um, you know, that doesn't sound impressive, but against a fastball, it's good. Yeah, I mean, I got not much to really add there. <laughs> I mean, he, I just remember how good he was. I think I remember- he can. I think he can be better than. Um, this is actually why I don't want to take Granky. My projections for these two pitchers in a shortened season are identical, except I think that. Uh, uh, I think that uh, McCullers, if healthy, will have a much higher strikeout rate and a slightly higher ERA. But for fantasy, I'd rather have the strikeouts. But you can pair those two with their current prices, I believe. That's the thing. Oh, right? for you sure. To, that that that's that's kind of the point of I guess like although you might rather have one. Let's see where let's see where while we're pulling it up here where McCullers is going. McCullers is going at one seventy one. So yeah, you can still get him. I would take him inside. I think I have him ranked inside in the top 150. I would take him over Julio Urias. That might be a hot take, but Urias is going 50 picks higher on average right now. I don't know what the hell the Dodgers are going to do in a shortened season. Everyone else is like, oh, they'll all get to pitch. Yeah, they'll probably all get to pitch. Like, yeah. you know, they, they could have like an opener. They could have a closer. They could have, you know, who knows? That's that's kind of my point. Like, I'm not in on, I like Urias's skill set, but I'm not in at the price. And I'd rather have McCullers over him. Albeit close, I think they're like two or three uh, spots behind each other as far as like pitchers go. But it, it, we're talking about fifty picks or forty-five picks in difference on eighty as of right now over the last thirty days. So, and McCullers, if we, I think people forget, he was like a top fifteen, top twenty ranked pitcher entering twenty eighteen. Him and it was often him and James Paxton, if I remember correctly. That was mm-hmm. like the big argument: who would you rather have? And Paxton hasn't lost that other than the health with Paxton, which was always the issue with McCullers. They both have the similar idea as far as health issues. They both had the skill sets that were getting him drafted in the top 20, top 15, top 12 at times. And people just seem to almost have forgotten how good he could be. Recency bias is a hell of a drug. We get that. But I think people are starting to come around on it. But still, at 175, he's one of the few that I think – I think he'll still have those limitations to start. But his price isn't that of a Lazardo and other guys that might have similar innings restrictions. Like even though we're not calling them, obviously they're not going to be held back as far as the amount of innings. But I think there's going to be a slower start to some of these younger guys than others. That's where my concern is. But at his price, I'm willing to take the shot. Yeah. Um, last guy in the rotation is Josh James, 
who got screwed out of his uh, opportunity last year. It looked like he was like kind of going to be handed the uh, spot, and then he got hurt. Um, a lot of people are really high on him, and it's it's not hard to see why. Uh, you know, there's plenty, there's plenty there. I mean, 97 mile an hour fastball. He looks like he could be someone who could be in that 30% strikeout rate frame, but he also looks like someone who probably can't get through five innings, six innings. Um, I, I love him. I love him as the future closer of the Astros. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think I try, I, I see the upside and you're getting a discount enough if you believe in it to draft him, but I don't, I don't see it happening, uh, at, for, for fantasy. I think he doesn't give me enough innings and the blowups are going to be there in a shortened season. I want to avoid those. Uh, so for 2020, it's kind of a big, no thanks for me. I, there's too many reasons and you don't even know how they're going to, they have such a good bullpen with guys like Brad Peacock still sitting there where you never know how they could piggyback people like Josh James. Uh, they could use him as a person to come in in middle relief um, to kind of keep some starters, starters sharp if he can't kind of stick on the rotation. So while I get the upside, I, I am out on Josh James, but I'm not ignoring the upside. I just think that long-term he's not a starting pitcher. Oh, man, I think it all comes down to just if he can get that control, like, I don't know. That's where I'm kind of torn. Because, like, I'm looking at his stuff, and the fastball plays, the changeup is actually really good, but a 5.14 walks per nine ain't going to cut it. <laughs> the strikeouts are going to happen. And I think he even has a pretty decent slider. So, ultimately, it's a matter of can he get those walks down. Like, in 2018, in his short – in like, what was it, 23 innings – he put up a 2.74 walks per nine. If he can be that guy, we can see a starter. But that's that's a that's a long cry from what what he's doing right now. He's often been a three a 3.25 type of walks per nine or greater guy. So although I believe in the strikeouts, you're right. As long if he cannot pull up, if he not if he cannot command his pitches and get that walk rate to be somewhat of like a league average walk rate, we're looking at a guy who's just destined for the bullpen. He could be a Josh Hader type for sure and an elite relief pitcher. But if he honestly, he might especially be and they from, can, if they allow him to refine or simplify his approach, maybe mm-hmm. that even helps him out further. I mean, well, I was going to say, what if he cut back on the K's and, you know, pitch a little more to contact to help with the rates? Maybe that makes him a better starting pitcher, too. He doesn't because he his strikeout stuff is elite. But it's funny you mention can, that because his O contact is like 20 percent below league average. His Z contact is like 10 percent below league average. This guy does not give up contact at all. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Maybe if he gave, maybe if he purposely attacked the zone a little more. Yeah, he might actually benefit from that. Uh, yeah, I believe so. I mean, but yeah, for 2020, it's a it's it's a no. It's a no for me. And that leads us to the bullpen where Josh James could potentially be. Uh, Roberto Ozuna is probably one of the, you know, I know, boo, Roberto Ozuna. We're, this isn't a political podcast. He's, he's just a closer. We're just going to talk about him mm-hmm. like he's a closer. Uh, he's, he's, probably, he's, he's probably one of the better bets in all of baseball. <laughs> he's consistent. He's not going to probably lose his job. That being said, there's a ton of talent behind him. Um, so is there, you know, in holds league, this is like a gold mine. Is there any worry in a short season that they could, you know, not necessarily hot hand, but um, just to try to get guys in here or there. Um, th- do we I worry don't. about him? Because I, I mean, he, he doesn't even have a setup guy who's a strong lefty to even come in and steal saves in the ninth because of that. I mean, they have Framber Valdez, but other than that, it's all righties. I'm not too concerned, man. I mean, he's a guy that, 
I usually like to go in the drafts, and I know it's more of a preference thing, but I go into drafts purposely targeting one high-end closer, and he's usually the cheapest of the top four. that I, I think he's like, for me, he's top three or top four. I think I have him over. I think Hendricks is the one that people have over him. I could be wrong. I haven't looked at ADP in a while. Although I think I, I think Taylor, when I go up top, I mean, I don't know. He's not considered up top. I take Taylor Rogers. That's the highest I've I've gone uh, with closers. Yeah, but I like I Azuna. I do like a Azuna. A lot of Azuna. I end up with a lot of Azuna. He's going at pick 92.83 on average, the 29th pitcher overall off the board. And that's where I'm usually targeting my first closer anyway. Because I like to, like I said, I like to personally, it's just a personal preference on team on roster construction. I like getting one of the closers. I like to get one sure thing for clo- for saves. And I think I do consider him that as that. And there's not much to it. That is all like that's all I'm that's it. Like he did blow six saves last year. That could be concerning, but I don't I don't know. Like like I don't think I don't think his job is really in jeopardy. I think you have to blow multiple in a row to have that to to lose his job. I think he's pretty as sure thing as it gets when it comes to closers and Having one of those in your back pocket on a year like this could be the difference between winning the category and not having even five points in the category. So that's where I'm at when it comes to Osuna. I grab I grab him a lot based on his price because he fits my team philosophies. On uh, one other pitcher before we uh, end the episode in the starting rotation, we mentioned if Josh James struggles, who could go there? Forrest Whitler is, is sitting there. Uh, he he appears to have righted the ship. Um, he did move up to uh, he did move up to AAA last year. Ended up having uh, a little bit of a rough go <laughs> in only twenty four innings, but still uh, in AA he he seemed to kind of be getting a little better. Uh, a lot of prospect, you know, it, he looked like someone who may have been a lost prospect. We know Houston has had a ton of them. Do you have any interest in drafting him too? Because we know the service time thing. There's not many prospects I'm going to be investing because. You kind of have to make that determination, at least in the, the way it is written. If you are brought up, you get a full year of service time. It does not matter if you're brought up July 1st or August 1st or September 1st. You get a full year of service time. Um, with Houston, um, the fact that they are not going to have draft picks coming up anytime soon, I don't know if that's something that they're uh, cognitive of. So, Force Willies, do you think there's any chance that um, – in like you know the deeper formats like the 15 the draft champions is this someone that you're kind of targeting to to get on your team um not really not that i'm targeting but if he falls far enough i'll grab him but yeah not that i don't believe in the skill set i think he'll be just fine as a prospect nothing like one bad year doesn't really turn me off on a guy but i don't think they're gonna push him this year i feel like they've been when it comes to prospects you've seen them kind of not push their guys I mean, Jordan Alvarez was like, it took him mashing for like a month straight for him to get the call. You know what I mean? Kyle Tucker still won't get get playing time, and that's we've talked about that already. So when it comes to their prospects, they're obviously in no rush. I don't see them forcing him up. So I think they're going to want to see him do it first. But the problem is, is this year, with the they might have taxi squads. You might see him. I don't know. I, it's tough. It's hard to tell. We don't know the rules yet. With no minor league, though. He might find his way up because of that, because they want to obviously they don't want to lose a year of him uh, getting better, of him uh, working on his craft. So I can't think of the word. I know there's a word for it. So at the end of the day, though, I just I don't want to risk it. I mean, in the deepest of formats, sure, obviously you take a shot, but not somebody I go out of my way to get. 
Yeah, I mean, there's also other people like Christian Javier who theoretically yeah. could be in the mix too. So, I mean, yeah, there's not enough to to really go there. I know a lot of people are like, why are you wasting your time talking about him? Because it's it, we talk about prospects on these breakdowns. He's kind of the only one uh, that is, you know, that has the most interest. Him and Javier, obviously Abraham Toro is not going to be taking Alex Bregman's job. Um, so anyway, that is the Houston Astros. Take them or leave them. <laughs> Uh, you have any final thoughts on the uh, the horrible Houston Astros before we sign off, Mike? And also, uh, tell everyone where they can find your work on beautifulrotofanatic.com. You said it. Beautifulrotofanatic.com. Just put out a Brian Anderson deep dive, actually. The man is the man with the most boring name in all fantasy, but actually has some interesting stuff to take a look at. So I would recommend, obviously, reading it. Yes, I'm completely biased. But <laughs> you, know, you can also find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And yeah, I got no final thoughts on this team. We spent more than time, more time than I expected to on them, but hey, whatever. We've got them. Hey, they're freaking all interesting. Literally, they're the only team where almost the entire lineup, entire rotation, and almost entire bullpen, if there's holds, you could theoretically own in a fantasy league. (laughs) Yeah. If you're, depending on your format. Uh, but yeah, for, uh, definitely everyone follow the show at Turn Two Podcast. Uh, rate and review. Um, we want to hear your feedback, what you like less, more. We're going to be involved, obviously, a lot more on rotofanatic.com, who are now presenting the podcast. We are going, you know, presenting. I'm presenting. Me and Mike run the, the website. We are presenting the podcast. So, um, we yeah. We are the podcast. Houston or Astros, the, take your, you know, let us let us know what your thoughts on the Astros are. Where who do you have confidence in? Who do you have no confidence in? Who do you have some shares of? And Dusty Baker, we know you're a fan of the show. Play Kyle Tucker. What are you doing with Josh Reddick? Uh, so thank you for listening to the Turn Podcast. We'll be back on the next episode with the Kansas City Royals. You thought it couldn't get more exciting than the Houston Astros. It's time for Hunter Dozier and Whit Merrifield. Let's go. See everybody. My oh my. Coach, I'm ready to play fantasy. I know I turn two in a day, but the lace isn't hot in my veins. I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen. The X flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches. Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first, he can say I'm ready to go. <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third. Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two What it do? Win leaps Catch out Peace